Leading organizations with intentionality and purpose is complex work. And dedicated leaders work tirelessly each and every day to build impactful cultures of collaboration. But effective collaboration is difficult and messy. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. Join the Jigsaw Learning Team for Leading Collaborative Response, sharing insights for leaders committed to establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response in their organization. Hello again, Curtis. And hi, Jen. How's it going today? Not too bad. So we're back for another episode of Leading Collaborative Response. Yay. This is exciting. I'm loving the way things are coming together. So our last conversation I had was with Lorna, and it was about reducing the number of meetings by adding one more. And we talked yeah. a lot about that collaborative team meeting. Yeah. And it's always funny when you share that little adage, it always brings a smile to my face around the adding one more will reduce our meetings because that collaborative team meeting is is the secret. I, I It got referred to in a podcast I was on earlier today as the secret sauce in really bringing purposeful collaboration together. thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard secret sauce uh, <laughs> being uh, connected to the, the collaborative team meeting in that way. But we do hear so often about how it is the missing piece mm -hmm. in what's going on in schools. And so I know earlier this year, you had done a free webinar around the four mistakes leaders make around collaborative team meetings and planning yeah. for those collaborative team meetings. So I wanted the opportunity to connect with you and, and let's, let's break this down because after the conversation with Lorna, we know how important that collaborative team meeting is. After our previous conversation, we talked about how purposeful and intentional those collaborative team meetings need to be. So let's break it down. What are the four mistakes? All right. So in that webinar, um, I shared four mistakes and they're easy to recognize because I've committed all of them as a leader. And I've also seen them um, being being uh, done by leaders as well. Oftentimes when I'm asked to come in to provide feedback or, you know, help assist, oftentimes one of these four have been uh, committed. And in my mind, it's when the leaders do not share the purpose, do not make that crystal clear to their staff team. They don't help their teachers prepare uh, for this. They don't establish roles and they don't have the agenda prepared ahead of time. And it's just like a good teacher going into a classroom. When you've got a solid plan in place, the instruction just flows that much easier. If you don't have a solid plan, the the flow just isn't there. And the same thing happens in the collaborative team meeting. You have to prep and get ready for these. But it, those are four mistakes I typically see um, for leaders. And again, committed each one of them before understanding, oh my goodness, this is this is really something that needs to be attended to, each one of these. Well, as a high school math teacher, I often heard the, why do I have to learn this? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that whole sharing the purpose, I totally get it. So let's start there. Okay. How can leaders be clear and intentional in sharing the purpose of the collaborative team meeting? Yeah, so I think one of the things is going back to Lorna's podcast of make it really clear, how does it um, align in those four layers? 
understanding that we have collaborative planning and it has a specific purpose. We have our collaborative team meeting and what's its purpose. We have our school support team meeting, what's its purpose and case consult meetings, what are their purpose? Being really clear that each one is important. Each one has its own different purpose. I think that's one of the first things to do. And we see schools that um, utilize some of our organizers to create who's involved, when does it happen, what's its purpose, um, how long, sometimes where does it occur, uh, getting really crystal on that, and then helping people understand that the collaborative team meeting follows a very specific process that's intentionally designed for maximum impact, productivity, and efficiency um, through the conversation. So I've seen schools, and we're including it in the uh, notes for this podcast, who read a vignette of the collaborative team meeting in action. We have one within our book that that kind of details what does it look like in practice through a little bit of a story. Um, we'll see schools that watch a collaborative team meeting video clip and then uh, observe what did you notice happening? What did that look like? I've seen schools that will host a mock meeting to share with their staff, you know, a, a small group that will engage in a meeting with everybody else watching to be then able to ask questions. And then um, even just talking about how this meeting is different than our other conversations. Again, I often say it looks on the surface like you're talking about students, but actually you're only using the students to leverage a conversation about practice, about all the differentiated strategies, interventions, accommodations that we can be putting in place in relation to issues that are being surfaced through our examination of students. We, we don't want to lose the student. The name and the face is really important um, to contextualize those key issues um, that we're going to discuss. But to understand the purpose is not to go down a deep dive on understanding a particular student. Um, if we have to engage in a long conversation to understand all the dynamics around a student, that's a conversation that is highly valuable, but belongs in another layer. It doesn't belong in the collaborative team meeting. So I think just being really crystal clear and going slow to say, okay, today we're going to try one celebration and see how that felt. And then we're going to try one key issue um, just to learn this process. And we're going to go slowly uh, through this. I often share too that if schools are looking looking to just really get this started well, pick one team that you're going to um, try this with. And again, just make sure people understand the purpose so they don't leave frustrated to say, well, I never got to tell everything that I'm doing in connection to Byron. Well, no, because that's not the purpose of the collaborative team meeting. You spoke about the idea of leveraging the students to bring forth and highlight instructional practice. Yeah. And I think that's a really big piece that needs to be clarified because there's a vulnerability there. Ooh, the yes. idea is not to shine a light on what's being done wrong and why are you having these issues? The idea is here's a problem of practice. What do we have in the collective toolboxes that might help solve that problem? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, again, 
for leaders to be able to model this, demonstrate it, show it, and it may take time and practice to get good so that we can come forward and say, so Jen, do you have a student and 20 seconds or less, what is a key issue that you've brought that we'd like to discuss? Okay, and you're going to say, I've brought Micah and my key issue is inappropriate reactions to peers when frustrated. Okay, now I might ask a couple of questions around that to just really clarify that key issue. You know, I might ask you, um, is there certain circumstances where you see the frustration mount more than others? Is it during uh, structured time in the classroom? Is it during unstructured time? Is there particular peers or um, uh, behaviors that trigger it more than others? And we may clarify that key issue down to inappropriate interactions with peers when frustrated during unstructured time. Okay. Now we've got a key issue. Now we want to be able to say, all right, for everyone else in the room, think about your class. Are there any students you have that also have that same key issue? No stories, just names. Because we don't want to further cloud the issue by me saying, well, I've got Mia and she kind of does that, but here's how, she, how she's a little bit different. And now we go down another rabbit hole. We want just names. And what that does is it allows me to not feel like I'm the only one. And then the others in the room aren't saying, well, Curtis, you should, you should, you should. It's, it's a we conversation. And it also takes the attention off Micah because now we're talking about several uh, students and now we can just talk about practice. Here's something I try in my room. What do you do in your room, Jen? Here's somebody else that says, years ago, I had a similar student. Here's what I've done. Someone else says, uh, I found this great website with strategies and resources. Okay, let's write that down. And we, we engage in that brainstorm. And then we come back and say, all right, Curtis, what's one thing that you want to try for Micah? Jennifer, what's one thing that you want to try for the student that you've brought forward? Um, and, and we all assign actions. But over time, we start to see people stretch. We start to see people trying things that may have been uncomfortable for them, or I really like your idea, Jen, but I'm going to need some help. Can I meet with you later on so you can show me how to do that? Um, yeah, when people see that the purpose of it is to grow practice, it, it changes. It's not just about responding to the students in this particular meeting. So when we come to that understanding of purpose, you talked about the second mistake being leaders not helping teachers prepare. Yeah. So I'm a teacher. I've had this explained to me. I think I kind of get it from reading the vignette and watching the video, but how can I be more ready to attend to that meeting? So when I saw a pre-meeting organizer first introduced in another school, I went, that's genius. I wish I would have done that because there are often times when we'd come into collaborative team meetings and I'd say, so Jen, who's a student you've brought or that you'd like to discuss and you go, oh, just a second, can you ask somebody else first? Um, sometimes people were ready for that conversation, sometimes they weren't. Um, and especially when we get into that understanding of a key issue, forethought needs to come into place. So utilizing that pre-meeting organizer is so incredibly important. So I've seen some schools, some will create a sample of what that pre-meeting organizer looks like so that people can see that. Um, I've 
worked with some schools where right in a staff meeting, let's create our pre-meeting organizers together. Let's take 10 minutes and everybody write down a student of concern and what do you see as a key issue? Eight words or less. Try and try and get it brief and then go share with somebody else um, what you have as, as that key issue. I've even seen when people are first engaging in their first collaborative team meeting, they'll go slow and say, okay, we're going to take the first 10 minutes for everyone to think, review, look at your class list, come with, let's write down one student that you want to celebrate and one that you have a key issue that you've brought forward. So doing that really slow and intentionally the first time. And so that people understand the purpose of that pre-meeting organizer is not to write a story. It's not to submit. It's not to share everything that you've done and everything you know under the sun. It's not a referral form. It's so that you're completely ready when a facilitator in the team meeting says, Jen, who's a student you've brought and 20 seconds or less, what's the key issue? You've got that. You've already given it some thought. And I love what I saw in a school in your community, White Court Central, where they even put criteria at the top of their collaborative team meeting, pre-meeting organizer that says, don't bring a student on an individual support plan. Don't bring concerns or key issues that uh, are out of our locus of control. Um, do not bring students that the admin or IEF are already inclusive ed facilitator are already working with. And we should be bringing students that our data puts in that yellow zone. They put it right on so that it's clear that those students that are on ISPs that are um, very much in the wheelhouse of our admin or IEF, again, we have other layers that are attending to that. I, I loved that that surfacing of a little mini criteria ahead of it as well. Again, just it clarifies and we're we're getting used to a particular practice that's going to be become automatic and even predictable for us over time. Well, and I loved when the pre-meeting organizer grew from students of concern to include students who might need enrichment. Yeah. Because that, I, that process works the same way. It and does. We get and, to talk about those kids. Yeah. And that was a missing piece within my own school is um, we were never collectively having the enrichment conversation. And man, our collaborative team meetings would have been even that much stronger if we could have surfaced I often say to school, surface one, one conversation about enrichment in every collaborative team meeting, because again, it's going to grow our toolboxes and a lot of the things that we can do for those students are universal in nature. It's just every one of those conversations makes us just a little bit stronger as individuals and as a collective group. And yeah, being able to build in the enrichment um conversation or challenge a student we'd like to challenge further really powerful so i understand the purpose i'm ready to come to the meeting i yep. i have the predictability and clarity in front of me i've got and my those two my kind organizer. of hands yeah. yeah so i've got my organizer i've put my alert in we collab where wherever it needs to go yeah okay good i want to talk it's my turn how do we establish those roles to make sure that the voices are all heard and that we maintain time limits. We honor the time of the people at the table. The roles, I never understood the true value of them 
until you got to see it in another school and how incredibly effective it was. And then you reflect back and go, oh my goodness, I made the mistake of playing all the roles. I was keeping an eye on the time. I was typing the notes. I was keeping the conversation going. I was moderating uh, that. Um, essentially, I wasn't building anyone's collective capacity within the group. And the other thing too, is I thought it was helping everyone engage, but actually then if I wasn't there, um, the, the teams didn't have necessarily the built capacity to be able to run these themselves. And when I was taking on all the roles, especially that role of facilitator, I was doing that job really poorly because it was really hard to type the notes and think and process through effectively. I wasn't necessarily listening for what people were saying by taking that on. So the roles are so important and they can feel a little bit awkward, mechanical to start with, which is why some schools I think avoid them, but they, they have such a tremendous impact. In fact, we often see schools that adopt these in other meetings as well, the use of roles because they, they are impactful. So who's facilitating? Let's make that clear. And when they're asking some penetrating questions about practice, they're doing it because that's their job. That's, that's the role of the facilitator. The timekeeper, when this person says we've got one minute left, they're doing that because that's their job. And it's helping to keep us really focused and concise. Now, I often have the question, well, is it all right if the timekeeper says time, but we haven't quite finished. Well, yeah, sure, finish that conversation. But what it's trying to do is just to get us succinct and on point uh, with that. Who's your note keeper? Have one person that's taking those notes. And then we often see other roles that get introduced. Um, you know, I saw one school where um, they were finding the norms weren't really determining what was happening within the meeting. And one of their norms was we'll focus on things in our control, but most of the conversation was going off into things that not in our control. So they introduced the role of norm and it was norm's job to have a, a staples that was easy button in front. And anytime someone deviated into things out of our control, they'd press the button and you'd hear the, that was easy. And it just was a reminder of it's easy to get down that path and it'll pull them back highly, highly effective. It created even some uh, levity within the meeting, which was awesome, some joy. Um, yeah, I, the roles I just create such focus and attention. And again, when I have the role that I'm the interrupter, when I interrupt somebody, people don't get offended. They're, they're not doing that because I'm meaning to cut them off. We, we all understand that's my job to keep this together. And it just allows everybody to take accountability in the conversation and that we all own essentially the effectiveness of, of this meeting moving forward. And I love schools where you see tent cards or table displays, uh, you know, where one side shows everybody, here's my job today. The other side reminds me of the things I have to do if that's my job. Again, super, super effective strategy that I know a lot of schools bring into lots of different meetings, not just the collaborative team meeting. It builds that collective ownership for the meeting. It's, it's it really does. distributed leadership in a way. Yeah. And I was recently involved in a 
collaborative team meeting with a, an early years group and one of the EAs in the room, she was the interrupter. And she was so excited. She would pull up her card, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> and she was just engaged in that meeting because she wanted strategies to work with her kids. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I, To me, I always take it back to what do we see effective teachers doing in the classroom? And the same thing. Teachers assign roles. They, they create predictability. And this is what it looks like when you do this particular job. Who wants to do it today? And the same thing happens in that collaborative team meeting is it's we're all taking a, a small responsibility to ensure that this is the best use of time possible. Our time's too valuable to to um, not use it to its full advantage. Oh, you say that. And it brings me back to conversations where we were talking as a learning services team and then as curriculum working groups about the idea of collaboration must be taught. Yeah. Not an inherent yes. skill that we have. No, not at all. <laughs> No, and, and understanding that collaboration is way different than cooperation or just getting along. Like good collaboration means that we can debate, we can discuss. Um, I, I can be wrong. Um, I can push somebody else in their thinking. Good collaboration is going to ensure that we're better collectively than any one individual on their own. So we're together to collaborate. We know the purpose. We're prepared with our pre-meeting organizer. We have our roles. Mm -hmm. The agenda. Yeah. How do we ensure that the meeting has a focus and can follow a flow or that intentional process that we talk about? Yeah. So again, this comes down to that bit of pre-planning for whoever's leading that meeting, whoever's setting it up. Typically, that's the administration within a building that I would see as taking on a key role in prepping for the meeting. But having that agenda prepped and ready is so, so incredibly important. Um, I'd shared with one group I was working with earlier in the fall that a regular consistent agenda creates predictability, it creates clarity, um, and that really lends itself to psychological safety within those meeting times when I know what the steps are going to be that we're going to walk through. And again, that collaborative team meeting um, format becomes very, very predictable. So having that prepped ahead of time, I often say if you're creating an agenda, create it so that the agenda and the notes are the same document, that it's going to show our, pro, our flow, but we can keep our notes within it. Um, that's the beauty of the WeCollab software as well, is that the way it's designed now, it forces for lack of a better word, the process, it, it has us come to the norms first. And what is a norm that we want to focus in on? And I often say, pick one, pick one norm that you're going to practice that day or reflect on, or at the end, we're going to just take five minutes and debrief how we did uh, on that particular norm. Uh, it just, it keeps those norms alive and really meaningful for us. And then we move to celebrations and talking about, so who has a student to celebrate? What, um, what did we do that led to that success? And then shifting into that focus on students surfacing key issues, identifying other students, and then discussing, brainstorming in time, looking at our continuum of supports for ideas that we can utilize. And then um, 
going right to the action and having that all laid out. So I have seen schools where they'll have, you know, a poster on the wall that just shows the flow of the collaborative team meeting. And I especially see that valuable if you're utilizing software like WeCollab, where the software is going to take us through that process, but we can also see it lined the, the overall here's how we use our 45 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever that time is within our school. Um, the agenda is important and how we, how we organize that time critically important for, for coming in. And again, I, to me, a lot of the things that I'm talking about, Jen, don't necessarily just fit the collaborative team meeting. Um, I often find any meeting that I'm in when the agenda has been set up ahead of time and there's links and resources and everything there, the meeting conversations run so much smoother than when the agenda is either not available or just thrown together um, or created on the fly while you're there. It's, uh, again, how do you best utilize your time? I find it interesting that you brought up the idea of that poster because I was like, I want to talk about this because having spent some time with Marilyn in a school where we were around a table facilitating a number of collaborative team meetings, working with the administrators and I was working with the software, the agenda was posted on the wall. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic for everyone around the table, but it also reiterated the message to all of the grade level teams of we're all doing this same process. Yeah, it's absolutely. We are all engaged. And it was really neat to see that light bulb come on for teachers that were sort of new to the process. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it creates consistency because you're going to have team members that are joining different collaborative team meetings. And if one looks remarkably different from another one, again, that impacts the predictability and clarity. And now I'm a little bit unsure of where it's going to go next. It's going to shut me down just a little bit until I figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, the, the agenda matters. So we can overcome these four mistakes very easily. Mm -hmm. And that's going to bring us to the point in our show. We're going to bring forward the WeCollab question. This question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success. So Curtis, the burning question at this point in time is, do administrators need to be involved in the collaborative team meeting? Yeah. And this is a question I always get. I often get to, should administrators be facilitating the collaborative team meetings? And my response always is, yes, administrators need to be in collaborative team meetings. Now, I recognize that there's going to be situations where there's a large school, a principal per se cannot get into every one of their team conversations. I mean, I, I think about a school like Lindsay Thurber in Red Deer, where there's, I think they had 16 teams established. Well, that's, that's a pretty sizable group that we can put. But in that situation, we have multiple administrators. So let's divide and conquer. Um, let's move into different spaces. 
I found that as an administrator, and I still find leaders remarking that what you learn in a collaborative team meeting is just so, so powerful. Not only learning about the students and families that are being discussed, but learning so much about our teachers and the teaching practice and the understanding and the nuances of relationships between teams and recognizing that, okay, we're going to need some professional learning in this area because our toolboxes are a little bit, um, aren't as fully formed in this particular um, area or to deal with this particular issue. Um, it, it's where you get a pulse for what is happening and a huge, huge place where you can be practicing and enabling instructional leadership uh, for us. So um, I would say, yes, administrators need to be in collaborative team meetings. Um, absolutely. Now, and I don't mean just sitting in the back, taking notes. I, I found the power was when you're right there rolling up sleeves and offering what if, here's an idea, or, you know, Glenn, in your classroom, why don't you share the one thing that I've, that I've seen you do? I've been in there a number of times, and you're really good at this strategy. It became a place where I could also celebrate and reinforce what people were doing, could make connections, could be someone's voice who may not say it themselves to be able to say, Deb, I know that when it comes to this key issue, you have some really great strategies around this. Can you explain what that looks like for us? Um, and I also could ask questions that sometimes people had difficulty asking a colleague to be able to say, can you explain that a little further? What do you mean by that? Or um, I, I need you to go just a little bit deeper in your thinking around that to be able to share for us. Now, I often get asked, should administrators be facilitating the team meetings? And uh, in my mind, yeah, it's a great practice uh, to at least start the facilitation. You're modeling what it is that you're expecting uh, for us. Um, but that's just critically important for, um, for us. And in time, giving away that facilitation. Someone else can facilitate. It doesn't always have to be the administrator, but I think starting off modeling it from an administrator uh, sends a really powerful message. I was going to say, I was trying to going to get you back to that question about the facilitation part, because I, I have worked with some schools where eventually the, the principal has given that role to someone else. Um, I typically see it in smaller schools where the principal kept getting pulled yeah. Right. And so it, it was it was breaking down the structure of the meeting. And so eventually someone else came to be the facilitator and the principal was there. And yeah. if if they got pulled away, that's OK. The meeting can continue because of the predictability and clarity that they have absolutely. based on remedying those four mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you're building capacity, you're building up leadership in others. Uh, I saw one school, Peace River High, where one of their EAs was the regular facilitator for one of their uh, junior high teams. And man, was she strong. She just kept it succinct. She knew what her role was, job, everyone understood it. Um, one, of the, one of the best facilitators I think I've ever seen in a collaborative team meeting. Um, but yeah, it's it, it had been a role that they had just learned in their school and got to a place of, well, anyone can do this. 
I know that, uh, well, you had talked with, um, with Buffalo head Prairie where they had done the same thing. They had an EA that was leading one of their teams and doing a sensational job at that as well. Absolutely. But I think it's important. And I want to reiterate what you said, those administrators need to be at the table Mm -hmm. from a teaching perspective. Quite often there's things that come up that require the administrator's approval, or can we do this or, and to not have someone there to be able to answer those questions quickly, it drags out the process and we're not able to respond as quickly as we could if they were at that meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make some really quick on the fly decisions that are, yeah, again, it's, it's about how do we collaboratively respond to what is happening within your school. And if one of the key decision makers is not part of that response, uh, to me, that's problematic. So we know what the mistakes are. We know how to fix them. And their support is always there at the Jigsaw Learning if anybody wants to talk about it. Curtis, thank you so much again for taking time to be with us today because I know you've been traveling and sharing collaborative response outside of Canada recently. Yeah, we had the chance to uh, be part of a special educators conference in Wisconsin and then uh, National Association of Early Years Educators in uh, Washington, D.C. as well. So great to be able to share with both of those audiences. And so it continues to grow because it is recognized as being the missing piece. So I appreciate you being here. Our audience appreciates your perspective. And I love when we get to talk like this and showcase the things that are happening in the schools that we get to partner with. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Yeah, it is, Jen. And thank you, as always, for the conversation and and your insights and, and knowledge around this work as well. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In collaborative response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff, stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. I always enjoy getting to go back and talking to Curtis and Lorna and hearing them reiterate the same messages over and over. So for me, the key learnings that come out of today's conversation are clarity and predictability. In addressing those four mistakes, the clarity and the predictability of what the collaborative team meeting is and will do and how it will function are evident. In sharing the purpose of the meeting, It provides clarity about where the meeting fits amidst the various layers of meetings that are happening in the school and the predictability that these are the types of conversations we're going to have in this particular context. In helping the teachers prepare for the meeting by providing that pre-meeting organizer or that process within WeCollab of putting on the alerts, it provides the predictability that yes, I'm going to be asked these questions and the clarity of these are the questions that I'm going to be asked when it comes to bringing forth a student of concern or a student to enrich. 
There is clarity and predictability in establishing the roles. When the people around the table understand the jobs that exist to ensure the meeting is effective and efficient, they come to understand that when something happens, it's about the role. It's not personal. When someone interrupts, it's not personal. When someone says, what are we going to do about it? It's not personal. It's about maintaining the integrity of the meeting. And finally, when it comes to that agenda, the clarity and predictability that is provided by ensuring that everyone understands, here's the order in which things are going to happen. And it doesn't matter what collaborative team meeting we go to, this is the order that things are going to happen. It again establishes that psychological safety that no matter what group I'm involved in, no matter what grade level conversations we're having or division level conversations or subject matter conversations that we're having, the process is the same. And there is a safety in that so that I can be vulnerable and discuss instructional practice and focus on improving. So in addressing those four mistakes that leaders make when setting up those collaborative team meetings, really they are facilitating clarity and predictability for their staff to ensure safe and caring environments in which we can thrive and grow our practice. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again to continue to build your own capacity in leading collaborative response in your context.